Good morning. Um, it's so good to be with you in this in this way, um, and to be celebrating and and in the last week of Advent as we anticipate and prepare for um, that story of the coming of Christ at Christmas, and we continue to look for all the ways that Christ continues to come to us and to be with us. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this incredible season of of waiting and of preparing our hearts and our lives for um, your coming to the world and your coming to our lives, for the opportunity we've had to meditate on hope and peace, joy, and now love. We pray that uh, these things would be more than just words, but would become the very way of our lives, and that in living into them, we would make way for Jesus um, in our midst. We pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you've been able to join us the last few weeks, you'll know that we've been retelling a story about waiting during our time in Advent. And there's been a particular way this story has been moving, becoming more urgent, more imminent, and more personal. We began with Abraham and Sarah waiting for many nations to come from them to be a blessing to many peoples. And this could be anticipated to take a while. It takes a long time to birth many nations. And we remember how the book of Hebrews told us that they did not receive what was promised to them while they lived. We remembered the prophets proclaiming peace to a scattered and fractured people And they might have hoped for peace in their lifetime, but even they knew that peace is not really a tomorrow or a next week kind of thing. Healing is a journey. Trauma has deep roots. Last week, we heard about Elizabeth and John joyfully anticipating the comfort that can only come from God. So close at hand to them, but still not here quite yet. And this probably feels familiar to us. We can all feel excited about things that are still on the horizon because we have that capacity to imagine what it will be like when someday becomes today. But with Mary, with Mary, the waiting is a very familiar human kind of waiting. Waiting for a child, not for nations, not for geopolitical peace, not for the soon, that's never soon enough, but waiting for a child that is now growing and developing, a baby within her who she loves as she nourishes him and protects him and longs to meet him face to face. In Mary, the waiting is concrete and it's personal. It's the fulfillment of that same kind of hope for a child that Abraham and Sarah shared. Now, this son of Abraham, this child of Sarah, will be the full blessing to the nations, which was promised all those years ago, will be the source of peace that will end all warring and heal all traumas, will be the fountain of joy from which can be enjoyed life to the full. This child that is love, this God-made flesh, in the womb of Mary. Mary 
was a part of this story of waiting. But not only when the angel Gabriel announced to her that she was with child. That's not when her waiting began. Rather, her life had always been a part of this story. She was a part of Abraham's people. She longed for a king that would sit on David's throne and bring peace. She knew about the promises of God to be the God of her people for all generations. And she, like many others before her, spent her years waiting for that to be true. In fact, Mary knew this story of God so deeply and so intimately that after her initial shock, she was able to sing out joyfully a song of love about the work that God was doing in her life and well beyond her life for the sake of the world. Far too often, I think that we make Mary into a young woman who was inconvenienced by a pregnancy that she had not planned. Too often, the church acts as if Mary were some sort of tragic figure. But this is not the story of Mary. Far from inconvenience, she was overjoyed at the promise that was given to her. And the source of this joy wasn't just that she'd be having a baby. It's true, she hadn't expected that. But the source of this joy was that she knew what this child meant for the world and that she would get to be a part of the story that she had loved and waited for for so long. Just before she sings this song, Mary is visiting her cousin Elizabeth, and Elizabeth names how blessed Mary is to be carrying the promised Messiah, how blessed she is that the mother of God with us would come near to her, and that the reason for Mary being blessed is that she believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Mary continued in her story of faithful waiting by believing even the unbelievable. Not only that what God had promised through long generations would finally be coming true, but that it, it would come to be true through her. It takes deep faith and a true love for God and God's story in this world to believe in such an incredible way. We see how right Elizabeth was, how true this really was of Mary. In the scripture reading we heard today, the song of Mary, the Magnificat, it begins with an acknowledgement of her praising God because it is God who has done great things for her. It is God who has dealt favorably with her. God who has seen her deep longing for the fulfillment of his promises and saw fit to partner with her to do that work. It is true that all generations will call Mary blessed. And far too often that's where love stops. Far too often that might be where our own song would stop. Love is for that which has helped you and benefited you. We love the people who have loved us in the ways that we have sought to be loved. There's this kind of love that David even writes about in Psalm 116 where he says, I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. This is the place where Mary's song begins. Her love for God has this component to it, but it's so much more. 
It grows from there as Mary continues to recount the story of God's faithfulness from generation to generation, who has scattered the proud and brought down the powerful, who has lifted up the lowly, who has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. More than having a deep love for God because of what God has seen, because of the way that God has seen her and known her, Mary has a deep love for God's story, a love for the vision for all creation which God has and has continually held out for his people. Mary understands the heart of God for the whole world and is that heart of God for all his creation, which Mary seems to be most fully longing to see realized, which actually holds her deepest affections and attention. What's truly awe-inspiring to me in this song is the way that Mary tells that story even when it's not her day-to-day experience. The way that Mary can see the goodness of her beloved and the value of the things that she holds out hope for even when there's so much else that dims its brightness. There is a tyrant puppet of Rome pretending to sit on David's throne. There are Roman legions in the streets of the holy city. Soon enough, a census will be imposed on her, forcing her to relocate and be away from her family as she gives birth. Where are the actions of a God who has scattered the proud and brought down the powerful? How has he sent the rich away empty as Jerusalem is pillaged of its wealth? How has he helped his servant Israel lately? The answer to all of these questions is now in the womb of Mary. And the Son of God and Son of Man is in Mary's womb because her heart had the capacity to believe and to love a story about God's work, even when it didn't seem to be true. Mary, I propose, had been birthing the kingdom of God in her life long before the angel announced Jesus to her. And it is this work of birthing the kingdom which made her uniquely capable of giving birth to its king. What I hope that you hear here is that Mary's love is not only love for what she has received personally, and it's not only a love for what will one day be, though both of those things are present. Mary's love, rather, is so complete that it is a love which requires her to participate in the things that she hopes for, to work for the peace that she waits for, to rejoice in every sign of a kingdom that is not yet fully known. It is a love which drives her to action, and it is in the participation of bringing about this kingdom that she finds her deepest fulfillment, her greatest joy, the true purpose of her life. Most of us, most of us love God when God's been good to us, And so that's probably made this year a tough one for loving God. Many of us 
also love the vision and ideals of the kingdom which we hear preached on Sunday, we find ourselves drawn to the stories of the city that we were made for. And maybe that's been enough to hold us firm in these long and tiring days of waiting. But the fullness of the life of faith, the truest discipleship, is found when our love is so deep that it can't help but lend a hand. When it is the working toward and the sweating in the cause of which pushes us to participate in the story that's still being told. And it's in those moments that we feel most hopeful, most at peace, most joy-filled, and most in love with our God when we've seen the ways that our work has also been God's work, that God has partnered with us to make the kingdom more present in the world even as God partnered with Mary to make that real. Mary's love in her waiting is far more than a mother's love for her child. It's also a daughter's hope for her father's dream. It's also a disciple's joy in her teacher's way. It's also all creation's love for its creator's design. It is a love that is so deep and powerful that it created the space for God's plan to be made real. Not an inconvenience, but Mary's complete joy. It is a love that is so unrelenting that no other work could satisfy except the work which brings the beloved closer to the one that loves, that will not be stopped by the troubles of the day or the trial of the work, or the fears of what others might say, that will persevere through all hardship for the sake of the beloved, for the sake of the hope which was set before her, for the sake of the peace which only the Prince of Peace will bring. The central question that Mary's love brings forward for us is how can we not be content only to love God when we know God has looked on us with favor? How can we not even be content with the love that we have for the story of God and eagerly longing for the day when we will be fully a part of that story? But rather, how can we work as we wait? How can we labor now to give birth to the kingdom of God in our lives? How can we foster such a love for the ways of our God that we will not be satisfied unless that is precisely the work that we find ourselves doing? What are the truths about God's kingdom which we long for? And how might God be inviting us to participate in making those things real even today? It's not enough for us to love God because he is just and because we've known his justice. We must love God's justice so much that we work to see it in our lives. It's not enough to love God because God has given us peace. We must love peace so completely that we become peacemakers everywhere that we're called to be. It is not enough that we love God because we have been filled with joy but we must also be moved to compassion for those who are bereft of joy 
and stirred to act to share our joy with them. Friends, may the truth of our love be spoken in our actions of love. And may the story of our lives birth in us a greater realization of God's coming kingdom in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in Toronto, indeed on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. We believe that God's Spirit speaks to us together as a church as we hear the word, but also to us personally and individually. And so we have some reflection questions to create space for you to listen to the Spirit speaking to your life. The first question is, what are the truths about God's kingdom that you love and that you long for? Take a couple of minutes and actually write it down. Think deeply about what is it that you love about this kingdom? Because being able to know that and articulate that is important. And then once you have a thought or two or a picture for yourself, consider how might God be inviting you to participate in birthing those promises of the kingdom in your life. So we'll leave a couple of moments, a couple of minutes for you to reflect on these questions.